It's my finest masterpiece or whatever. Yeah, it's smash cuts. <laughs> you dick! Fuck's sake, Quentin. It is a good film. It's not your masterpiece, you wanker. It's yeah. a bit guff, 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 guff. Speaking of guff, 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 I think uh, this storm is certainly putting our guff to the test. It's been right breezy. Trees blowing down and downstairs there's little metal dustbins that got holes in the side so you can set them on fire and they immediately rust into a pile of ash. Oh, they're my favourite. They had one of them yesterday. It's gone. And it's gone. Gone. <laughs> <laughs> As is half of their fence, it's just gone out. Woo! Off it goes. Because you're closer to the coast than the old midlands are coast we uh, seem to have bypassed a lot of the really drastic stuff there's a couple of tiles that have fallen off of people's roof slate tiles but i've seen like footage of people's domestic bins like there's this brilliant video of like a domestic bin in the air and someone's put the doctor who theme tune <laughs> <laughs> and the comments are just like this is the worst episode yet or like it's really gone down the toilet since 07 fair amount of what was the artist formerly known as the millennium dome has decided to fuck off into the river as well it's about time really it's been 22 years i'm sort of not glad but it's kind of nice to see that it isn't indestructible this is not captain scarlet and or constructed by the mist Oh, also, I didn't take a photo of it again because I think taking pictures of poos at bus stops is frankly beyond me. (laughs) (laughs) I'm above this. I'm clearly the superior human. But that particular poo has sort of dehydrated and kind of looks like a normal one now, but it hasn't been affected by the storm at all. I went past it yesterday on my way home from work, as I do. Gave it a quick glance, nodded in acknowledgement, and it was still there. <laughs> Doffed your cap to the bus stop shit. It's now an institution. It's part of Nottingham cultures. Left liner do an article about it, then I'll read a weird news thing about it. The tradition will be a recent tradition, but a tradition nonetheless. Did you experience any power cuts? Because uh, I've had some friends saying that they've had rolling blackouts in like, the southwest and stuff. So For about two minutes at about nine o'clock this morning, just went, Pew! everything went off. It's like, oh, what's tripped? Just a brief power cut. Nothing yesterday, but this morning reasons if this podcast cuts out mid podcast it's probably my fault because we're overdue for one perhaps speaking of things getting denected denected gajira have pulled out of the tour that they were going to do and we were going to go see them in two weeks you dicks <laughs> the thing i was looking forward to this quarter has now stopped so really all we've got to look forward to now is commencing the intro music to this episode some sort of horrendous sample based monstrosity with the generic beat thunder. Some sort of horrendous sample based monstrosity with horrendous sound generic beat. Some sort of horrendous sample based monstrosity with the generic beat thunder. Some sort of horrendous sample based monstrosity with the generic beat thunder. Welcome back to Always an Adventure podcast with Alex and Sam. Sam is trying to quietly eat his funyuns or whatever they are, or harvest slaps. <laughs> Slap that cucumber. (laughs) Schmeck. Yeah, so I'm Alex, the ever nasal breathing loud man. And I'm Sam, the ever crisp rustling snack man. They call me Snackman. Snackman! They are so loud. Yeah, so anyway, welcome to the show, etc. Who the fuck is texting me? Is it you? What do you think this is, 1997? Delivery between 11.30 to 1.30. Well, it actually already turned up, so that they stuffed awkwardly through the postbox. <laughs> like a marshmallow into a piggy bank. Thumbing that soft package in there. Anyway, <laughs> <laughs> what about swiping around on your phone? Swiping, 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 McDoodle. Can I interest you in Hootenanny Special, Automated Guitar and Banjo Jukebox Music Coin Arcade? This seems like it was engineered just for me. Some good old Hootenanny. Can I put some hard gas in? <laughs> I don't, it's not pneumatically powered, unfortunately, but yours for a princely sum of £39,754.11. 
That looks amazing. This fantastic instrument is a grade three hand-carved cabinet made by us at ragtimewest.com. It's slightly used and factory refurbished. Features guitar and banjo with bass synthesizer and 13 percussion sounds. The percussion consists of high bongo. <laughs> 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 I'm sorry, what? Hi, Bongo. I haven't even finished. <laughs> oh, <clears throat> let's try this again. The... <laughs> ah, it's not even that funny. <laughs> this is where Alex loses it about the name of percussion. The percussion consists of high bongo, low bongo, higher go go, lower go go. Brass drum, snare drum, high wood block, low wood block, <laughs> cymbal with crash, splash, and ride, tambourine, maraca, and cowbell. <laughs> <laughs> the PC will hold more than 30,000 songs. Makes organizing the music a cinch. A coin op okay. is available. Simply touch the screen to display the library. These sentences are weirdly clipped, like short, oval glass in bottom, just wider. What? Oval glass in bottom, just wider. 48 inch <laughs> wide, 79 inches tall, 25 inches deep. 275 pounds as just one sentence, is just a statement. 275 pounds. This is a masterpiece. Masterpiece is a proper noun. Created by us at ragtimewest.com. It retails in our catalogue for over $56,200. Contains an automated guitar and banjo which you've already mentioned, with 14 <laughs> percussion instruments, which you have also mentioned. <laughs> Don't forget those high and low bongos, as well as the surround sound and Alesis Nano Synth. Click below to hear this play. The theme song from Beverly Hillbillies. <laughs> That is brilliant. Wedding's coming up. Yeah, gift list. No, have that at my wedding. It'll cost more than the entire wedding about eight times over. But like, wow, Alex, that was impressive. But I'm sure that you have equally impressive follow-up. Do you want more? Can I interest you in a belt stand? Belts not included. It would be better if it was belts, belt stand not included. Like, <laughs> Just so you know that there is no stand for your belts. Only for the belt stand. Decorative purposes only. Do not use as actual belts. <laughs> But remember, all items sold on a first-come, first-served basis from the shop. The shop. The belt stands, but no belt shop. Okay, so that belt that's clearly on the belt stand. You're not allowed it. It's not yours. You're not allowed. That's just for illustrative purposes. Yes. That's just to show that it can, in fact, be used as a belt stand. Show you its utility as a belt stand. I can't wait to have this belt stand for the princely sum of £10. Really? I stand for the belt stand. One final one while I have it here. Go on then, treat us. Unsecured Ladders, Meeting the Challenges of the Unexpected by Robertson G. It's a book about ladders. Just about ladders. The book addresses the vital issue of how business leaders can prepare themselves to deal with the impact of unexpected events. It raises key questions for leaders to address they are to avoid being distracted by crisis. So it's not actually about ladders, it's just a metaphor. It's kind of cataclysmic, but it's about ladders. It's not actually about actual ladders, though, right? No, it's about it's about unsecured ladders. <laughs> it's actually see that, that blurb made it sound like it was the ladder was the corporate ladder, and people were just getting the perils therein and stuff like that. But it's actually about ladders, and they've just wrote a really fucking highfalutin blurb about it. Do you know what? I don't even know now. It's, what is this? Have you just brought along the David Lynch of ads or something? <laughs> it does sound pretty... It's got pictures of ladders on it. Maybe it's... Maybe... I don't know. See, it's so vague 
that you don't know if it's actually about lads. It says government marketing and marketing and business, but maybe the ladders are actually humans. So like what the big red one is like the boss and then the little ones are like running around trying to appease the boss, but they seem to have kinks in them. The boss ladder, something's wrong with the two rungs at the bottom where they kind of a uh, sort of right angle, not a right angle, like a, sort of, they narrow like a more than symbol. There's a lot to unpack with just the image itself. But ultimately, I think it is a metaphor for claimsdirect.com. Don't fall off your ladders, or if you do, call us and we make the business that you were in at the time go bankrupt. If you actually go to a website that knows how to actually describe books, it does actually, it's about management. So it's not about ladders at all. Right. What I thought was a very dry book about health and safety around ladders. It's an even drier book about business. <laughs> about how to be na 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 leader. Dry is not what it's like outside, and the news seems to be going on about how it's not dry outside so with this really clumsy fucking segue <laughs> let's start the news bit of this show news for people my news isn't actually about weather at all so i don't even know why i brought it up really do you recall there was a crisp shortage a walker's crisp shortage in in the midlands yes. or everywhere yeah people couldn't get what was uh, certain flavors right yeah well this takes it one further. Woman stunned when she opens a bag of Walker's cheese and onion crisps to find it completely empty. <laughs> so they're just giving out empty bags of crisps now. <laughs> Wouldn't you fucking notice? <laughs> I'm going to show you the link to the article because there's a gallery of just pictures of her posing with this empty crisp packet, <laughs> which is just bizarre enough on its own. <laughs> That's not even an open packet. Yeah, how does she know there's nothing in there? It's not a very long article, but let's get through it anyway. Yeah, let, let's get on with this. She said it was a once-in-a-lifetime find, and she was most pleased with Walker's response. A Cardiff woman says she was left stunned when she opened a Walker's multi-pack from Sainsbury's, and one of the packets had no crisps in it at all. Yana Davis, who lives in... Ka Cathays, oh boy, fuck you Wales. <laughs> I'm sorry the one person actually know that would be listening to this, how to say that place name. Had visited the Woodville Road Sainsbury's store on Monday, January the 3rd, to purchase a multi-pack of cheese and onion walkers trademark. Do you know what I, I feel like doing sometimes? What? Going to the local Sainsbury's trademark and or Tesco trademark and or Asda trademark, maybe Waitrose trademark to buy a multi-pack of crisps maybe walker's trademark that's the only reason you go there <laughs> nothing else i can't look at anything else i cannot be tempted by the the croissant or the iced coffee no just a multi-pack of crisps walker's cheese and onion trademark when she arrived home she said she tucked into a packet and was so hungry she decided to dive in for another but to her horror the second packet had no crisps in it at all not even a crumb, she told Wales Online, reflecting on her ordeal. Oh, the humanity! There wasn't any crisp in the fucking crisp packet! What can I do? A multi-pack, which is probably at least six packets. One of them was empty. Instead of just moving on and going to the next packet, she bought them at Sainsbury's down the road and opened the first packet about three days ago, the Trademark. barber and hairdresser said. Trademark. My friend was here and I finished the first packet. I thought, ooh, I'm still hungry. I'll have another one. I shook the pack and they put and though instead of and thought. <laughs> for God's sake. <laughs> and thought, ooh, that's funny. And I said to my friend, have a look at this. Obviously no noise or anything when I shook the packet. Wow, this is top journalism. <laughs> real fucking well done, Wales Online. You've really exceeded my very low expectations. It's a real fucking page turner. But that is only one page. You just turn it over and be glad that the words aren't there anymore. <laughs> just turn your laptop over, close it and just throw it in the bin. Smack! I'm done. I no longer need to read. My friend said, oh my God, that's amazing. You need to do something about that. 
I thought, don't be silly. But my friend said, honestly, now it's once in a lifetime thing. So I thought, yeah, I'll share it. Yana said, Walker's trademark, saw her post and she was very pleased with their response. They saw it and said they'd reimburse me with vouchers and they apologised. So they did it in that order. They didn't apologise first. They were like, just chuck money at her and then say sorry. Yana explained, they said there was a problem with the machines. <laughs> There's a problem with the crisps. There's nothing wrong with the machine. The machine sealed the packet fine. It just put any fucking crisps in there. <laughs> I have a feeling that they have a device that's specifically designed to check that there's something in the packet. And it just was like, yeah, there is, but no, there wasn't. Whoopsie doodle. She said they had a problem with delivery drivers and something must have gone wrong with the production line. So what is it? The machines or the delivery drivers? Come on, what? Like <laughs> delivery drivers just, they learned how to surreptitiously extract the crisps and then reseal it and put air in there. <laughs> like when you take all the contents out of an egg so you can paint it. Exactly that, but crisps. But then you put the empty packet in the oven and then it does a shrinky dink thing where it goes, Mew, but somehow all the air's still in it. And also, I don't know why you'd be painting the contents of a raw egg. But never yeah. mind. It was a, our childhood was a strange time. It's really difficult to paint this yolk. I had to fry it first. I can't lie. I was about annoyed when I realised there were no crisps in the packet. But now I just think it was one of those things. It's really quite fun to leave it unopened and have it there. So she doesn't actually know. It's like Schrodinger's crisps. <laughs> she hasn't opened the packet. She just assumes because there's no rattling in it that there's no crisp in there. But she'll never know until she opens it. Maybe it's one giant crisp. <laughs> <laughs> just like a huge potato slice. I think I'll put it in the drawer and keep it. Like I say, it's a once in a lifetime thing and it's never going to happen to me again. And it just says, Walkers was contacted for comment. Hey, put down the harvest slaps. Listen up, what if I told you that healthy eating doesn't mean giving up your favourite branded snacks and foods? With Cousin MT's special nutrition plan, you can still enjoy harvest slaps without the slap. How, I hear you ask? Bag itself contains nothing but air. Fragrant, fragrant air. Wait, what? I hear you continue. Our painted scent hair, trademark, is zero calories, but will fulfill that need for the deep taste. Simply shake the bag, open up, and breathe deep the delicious scent of Harvest Slaps. Watch the pounds fall away in mid-days. Tried and tested on some of the most dedicated peers we've ever tricked into participating. I mean, willing volunteers. Check out these testimonials. Since going on the MT's diet, I no longer crave the flesh of fellow humans. I'm sorry. Really? Beer took on Timpy Blood. I miss Harvest Slaps. <laughs> well then, start up today and show off to your friends before it becomes too trendy. This was actually an advert for delicious Harvest Slaps. Go down to your nearest Netto and grab as many as you can. They're fucking amazing. Please don't attempt to inhale bags of smelly air. Eat something you want to lunatics. Yeah, so that was a wild ride. That was a wilder ride than I ever assumed because of the terrible fucking sentence structure. She's keeping the packet forever. Is that more of a statement of the fact that the packet containing a small amount of crisps will probably last forever? Probably. I mean, we've all seen LA Beast videos. He's opened a 25-year-old packet of Doritos, ate them, and they weren't nice, but they were edible and he didn't die. It's got fungus on it. Not bad. <laughs> Not bad. Speaking of fungus, what's been growing out of the news of your particular screen? Harkening back to a, a simpler time, December 2021. Seven arrested after £90 million of cocaine found stashed in a banana boat in Sheerness docks. 
during armed police raid. Banana boat! <laughs> for scale. I hope they took it out and they just left the banana boat next to there for scale. <laughs> this is how much there was. Uh, there are pictures of the, the boxes of bananas and there's pictures of shit tons of cocaine. That makes more sense. I had it in my mind that it was one of those banana boats that are inflatable <laughs> and you run. <laughs> just... It's just got people falling off of it for some reason. And there's like, Why is there 90 million pounds worth of cocaine in this inflatable boat? <laughs> <laughs> so John Nerden writes seven men including a port worker have been arrested after 1.2 tons tonnies we're talking metric here of cocaine with an estimated street value of 90 million pounds was found stashed in a boat carrying bananas at Sheerness docks more than 100 officers including armed police sealed off the port in a dawn drugs raid yesterday led by the National Crime Agency Dawn Ray came after the NCA investigation into the group suspected of plotting with a port worker to smuggle significant amount of Class A drug through Sheerness. One of those arrested is a port worker who works as a security guard, the NCA confirmed. Six people were arrested in the docks, probably one of them was a port worker, and seven were later arrested at home in Hertfordshire. All seven were charged last night with conspiring to import Class A drugs and appearing at Medway Magistrates Court later today. Were they all actually dressed as bananas in pyjamas as well? NCA National Head of Investigation, Jacques Beer, said, um, <laughs> Our investigation has focused on what we believe to be a dangerous group intent on importing large amounts of drugs into the UK using insider contacts within the port. We know that criminal gangs target insiders within ports and airports with their knowledge and access. While this is rare, when it happens it represents a disproportionately large threat which is why it is such a focus for the NCA. We believe this activity has thwarted those intentions and led to the dismantling of the network involved. We are determined to do all we can to protect the security and integrity of the UK border. From banana drugs. Yes, from banana-laced drugs. Minister of Security and Borders Damien Hines says... Bean. This... <laughs> Trademark. <laughs> this seizure has prevented a significant amount of dangerous drugs landing straight at route number 10 from entering up on our streets, which not only reduces the harm they cause to communities, but also makes a large dent in the profit of smugglers. Unfortunately, now bananas are going to be scrutinised. That might increase cost or delay them getting into our supermarkets which is no good because i've recently rekindled my love for bananas and peanut butter they're just going to use different fruit next time aren't they they're just going to put like crack in watermelons or heroin in kiwis or something mescaline in gooseberries or cacti because then they don't have to extract it they just send the fucking cactus because of course that wouldn't be noticed at all why are you bringing six tons of cacti into the uk there's been a sudden surge in interest because of tiktok shut up people like the look of them the feel of them against my eyebrows at least it makes me feel something like i'm alive that was a crime news but it was an interesting crime news because it involved bananas which is your unofficial fruit of the show harken back to a time when you felt more alive maybe the year 2000 would you like to try and work out what these 2000 songs are one two three four uh, 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 fuck you man Alright, let's see if I can listen to things while I'm crunching. Maybe not while I'm crunching. Behold, here are six songs from around about... There were hits in the year 2000. Enjoy. Did he take her to the pub on Monday and then <laughs> took her for a swim on Tuesday and then threw her off the roof on Wednesday, but he has a, such a big building, it took Thursday, Friday and Saturday until she hit the floor on Sunday. She bounced off a trampoline on Sunday. So it's Craig David with yes. Seven Days. Is it called Seven, seven Days? Seven Days. Yes. Yes, yes it is. Monday, took her for a drink on Tuesday. We were making love by Wednesday. And on Thursday and Friday and Saturday, we chilled on Sunday. I met this girl on Monday.
course, you wouldn't chill on Sunday. You would have anxiety about going back to work on Sunday like everyone else. Yes. Unless you're Craig David, actually. He doesn't work on Mondays, clearly. He's just, he's just roaming around, finding people, asking him the time. It's been a while since I heard that song, and oh, by goodness, is there an incredibly loud symbol in that? It's really obnoxious. This was made for radio. People's shit radios that they had in their car. Actually, most people I knew had, like, Kenwood sound systems with a bass bin that took up your entire boot. So all it was was, like, fart, 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 and then... That's all you can really hear. No, it gave me a headache being in my mate Dave's car because he put the Prodigy on. Diesel power. Every time it went... <laughs> it just cut out all the other music and just said... <laughs> just felt it vibrating the back of my head. It was terrible. The whole car <laughs> rattles. The engine falls out. It's set on fire and that's it. You're dead. Anyway, next. On the, a cataclysmic note. Oh, this has stumped me. Fill me in the bumhole with all the fun bits of Lego that have fallen out the sky. Slot them into my <laughs> ringer. Fuck. Um, oh, is it Gabrielle? No. Uh, okay. <laughs> I don't know why suddenly I thought about it. Oh, <laughs> oh, fuck. No, I think you've managed to choose a little bit of whatever song it is that's kind of made me go, oh, I'm not quite sure what that is. Once more with gusto or should we move on? Extra gusto. Is it the cause? It is. It is the cause. Uh, oh, fuck. What, what song? Uh, suddenly Sam remembers that he's forgotten all the names of the songs by the band that his parents really like and played <laughs> endlessly. <laughs> <laughs> oh, fuck me. Um, what can I do to make you love me? Nope. Um, and then there's that other fucking one <laughs> that other... and then they did a fleetwood mac cover as well it's not the fleetwood mac cover okay ah uh, there's the one in between which i'm clearly forgetting that it's that one i'm sorry i don't know the name so i'm going to disqualify disqualify myself <laughs> disqualify my ringer all right we're going to move on then i'm hoping you'll get this we get in our... uh, dancing in the moonlight by oh my god i can't remember joey Jobo <laughs> McDaverin. Um, oh, why can't I remember his name? <laughs> Dancing in the moonlight. The Dandy Warhols. No. The, the, <laughs> close, the, but not close at all. Danny. Oh, Danny boy, the pipes, the pipes are calling. <laughs> Your oh, pipes are full sake. of Lego. <laughs> I can't. Okay, I know the name of the song, but I yes. can't remember the name of the artist. So yes. does that get me half a point? Go on then. It's by Top Loader. Dancing in the moonlight, everybody is feeling warm and bright. It's such a fine and natural sight. Everybody is dancing in the moonlight. Top Loader, they named themselves as such because it is the term for when somebody packs a joint with all the weed at the front and they take the first few tokes so they've top loaded it. So there you go. Interesting. So let's go. I don't know why I'm listening to my microphone. <laughs> Microphones do not work that way. Good night. So let's go. So let's go. Oh, <laughs> oh, yeah. That first millisecond really <laughs> opened my eyes to what the fuck it is. Summit! Ah! I don't know. <laughs> I have no clue about what that is. That's that's completely no. no. It was a hit, but clearly it wasn't a very memorable hit for me, at least. Moving on. Yeah. <laughs> well, how could we forget this? Because every YouTube video linked back to it at some point in the <laughs> mid 2000s. It is Sandstorm by Darude. <laughs> Thank you. 
some crab dancing to that because I think everyone needs to adopt the crab way. Now that song is really fucking annoying. <laughs> didn't, you, <laughs> didn't you hear someone playing that really loudly somewhere that was really inappropriate at some point? Yes, I think we were leaving the Arboretum and someone was reversing around the corner and I think it was something like a BMW X5. All the windows fully rolled down. No, it was a Land Rover Discovery. All the windows fully rolled down blasting that song reversing around a corner how long ago was this 2018 that's still 18 years after it came out yes quite <laughs> onto something that i saw live on top of the pops she had you saw cisco live on top of the pops i wasn't on the set but i saw him play this song live on top of the pops oh what, at the time your television yes through the television and on so old cisco wants to see that thong 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 indeed thong song can you believe like thongs are all the rage i mean people still kind of wear them now kind of but they don't flaunt them but it's just like that is basically a cheese wire for your bum crack isn't it like what are you doing that can't be comfortable that you're just doing it because you think that's what people like i don't know answers in the comments why just thong answers in the comments of some random video you find on youtube not us but someone else just someone else <laughs> do the darude sandstorm of commenting just <laughs> listen to us then just go on youtube at random and just start writing about what is the socio-political <laughs> implications of wearing thongs someone else who didn't ask for this wants to know the answers and i think that's the only way to spread awareness and cheer so the core song which you didn't know what it was called is breathless yeah, I completely forgot what that was called. The only other song you didn't get was Higher by Creed! Even God hates Creed. You did pretty well there. I did. That's because the early 2000s is apparently a place that I can remember. So not just the early 2000s, but the early to mid noughties I also remember. And my story time is an anthology, because everyone loves those, of scars that I obtained. Are you ready? The quick wank. Continuing the scars anthology from sometime last year, I bring you... Yet another trio of clums. I've got two short stories, but the middle one's quite long. It's one of them short, long stories. Well, it's, it's long, but then it's short at the same time. You know how it is. It's like an optical illusion, but for your ears. Right. Speaking of right, my right wrist in 2004. This one is surely the most gross in origin out of the three. It started off as even an ingrown hair or a gnat bite. I forget which. But thanks to my extracurricular activities involving sleeping rough, it morphed into something more hideous. So just because you didn't keep it clean, it turned into a permanent scar. Pretty much. It developed <laughs> into a large welt that was at least an inch across that jutted out a good centimetre, creating unsightly boil of sorts. Once spotting this gross growth, my nan was quite concerned, stating it looked more like a burn than anything due to its deep crimson hue because it was proper pulling like my skin is that your new band name deep crimson hue after about two weeks when i was at work facing up some of the desserts near the end of the day the inevitable happened a cheesecake packet tumbled from the shelf which i managed to catch with my wrist right on said injury <laughs> a sickening sound Whoa. could be heard 
followed by a rather intense amount of pain and eventually a wet sensation. I excused myself from duty and hurried to the disabled toilets that I could investigate the damage. It turned out the food packet pierced it in such a way that the pus shot up my arm rather than down my hand. A small victory. <laughs> I was then faced with the task of removing a black infected core which was still attached to my wrist by a thin film of skin. After that was done, I cleaned the significantly less swollen wound, bound it in tissue and made my way home. The core's removal had left a hole in my wrist that would slowly weep clear fluid, so I made sure to keep it clean by dousing it with TCP which admittedly stung quite a lot. <laughs> you don't say. Over the next two weeks, the hole became shallower and shallower until it eventually scabbed over and healed, much to my relief. I now have a round scar on the top side of my wrist, which luckily did not get reinfected. I probably wouldn't even have a hand left if that happened. Borgen. This is the centerpiece, my little finger knuckle on my right hand, 2007. Now, I've been avoiding this one for some time because it's not a nice event to recall at all due to the people involved, the uncharacteristic violence that ensued, and the dread-filled aftermath. Not long after starting university, I invited my good friend Peanut over to my student digs. He was visiting his London-based girlfriend at the time, so was able to stay late. He brought along said girlfriend, whom I'd not met yet, which was nice. I purchased a couple of bottles of rosé, for I was some reason into cheap, nasty wine at that time in my life. Keeping it classy. The others didn't really like it, which is fair enough. So I ended up practically drinking it all myself. Oh boy. Which was, as we know about wine, probably unwise. <laughs> well, at least you weren't mixing it with cider this time. But wait, there's more. <laughs> Hold my drink. No, wait, give it here. After polishing the wine off, Peanut suggested we hit the town for a more sociable drinking experience. Feeling very buzzed from the wine, I agreed. We presently made our way to Belushi's Inn, which is next to Greenwich train station. When we arrived, Peanut bought a round of Guinness. <laughs> Just a lay on top of your skinful of rosé. Whilst his girlfriend, also quite drunk, began to tidy up the tables around us. She was a bar staffer and I guess she just went into autopilot, which is a bit weird, but a nice gesture, I guess. Hmm. Anyway, we had two pints of the black stuff, followed by a couple of aftershocks. Good effort. Courtesy of his girlfriend. Suffice it to say that by last orders, I was completely and utterly fucking shit-faced. <laughs> Were you piss-abled? I was verbal still. Just about. We decided to make our way to the Cutty Sark kebab shop evidently having consumed enough inebriates to block out the good judgement sectors of our brains that would normally steer us away from consuming mystery meat. We were walking on the other side of the road, ready to cross, when all of a sudden, Peanut gave me a hard shove apropos of nothing. Normally, this would have caused me to stumble a bit before correcting, but because I was so drunk, I fell straight over. This would have been fine, also, were it not for the fact there were refuse sacks that broke my fall. Sacks that were full to the brim with restaurant waste. Oh, great. <laughs> One of these boggin' bin bags burst open under the force of my sozzled carcass, sending unpleasant waste juice all up the arms of my jumper. I quickly pulled myself to my feet, but noticed around 20 to 30 spectators, who must have been queuing for a club or something, pointing and laughing at me. The humiliation caused me to snap in a way I have never done before, nor since, thankfully. As the red mist descended, I seemed to go into an autopilot fugue state, marching across the road toward Peanut in a manner that a chav might do so, swinging my shoulders in an uncharacteristic swagger. I remember shouting, OI! to him to get his attention, and as he turned around, my right fist sailed directly at the centre of his face. It met his nose with a terrifying crunch and sent him crumpling to the ground. I walked off to lean up against the kebab shop, staring into space. Unsure of what had just happened was real or just a product of my drunken imagination. I was reminded of the reality when I looked down to see that the flesh on my little finger knuckle had been pierced. Do you know what the fuck you've just done? Someone asked. My hand is kind of hurting, I lazily mumbled. 
bring it up to my face before flexing into a fist, which is when the blood began pouring out the wound. This snapped me out of my trance, turning to face Peanut and subsequently what I had just done. Peanut was still in a pile on the floor, a pool of blood slowly spreading out from his hunched over body. Fully back in control again, I ran over, tears streaming from my face, wailing, I'm so sorry man, I love you, oh god I'm really fucking sorry, whilst trying to embrace him. He idly pushed me away with a curt yet instructional, just fuck off home reg, evidently trying to dispel mounting hostility from both his girlfriend and one of her associates that since emerged. His words falling on hysterically deaf ears saw the tension suddenly snap into hostile action. His girlfriend let out a primal, guttural scream, ran at me, jumped and punched me and scratched me whilst I covered my face. Her nails cut my ears up quite badly and, truth be told, I think the red mist had descended upon her even more violently than it had me not five minutes prior. Exhausted and marginally pacified by Peanut, she stepped away from me, yelling obscenities and threats such as, I know people, you best not step out of your house again, you cunt! This shook me to my core, as her performance hinted that these threats did hold some weight. Just as I thought things had finally calmed down, her friend approached me, he was a threatening looking behemoth with a shaved head and piercing hostility in his eyes that could not only stop a man's heart but cause it to jump out their throat and fuck off down the road. He gave me a stern verbal ticket off which was far less expletive ridden than I'd imagined. But maybe he gauged the utter remorse and fear in my eyes and eased off a tad. After a while he suggested I jog on home and after glancing at a slowly recovering peanut I obliged knowing that it was probably for the best. Now I couldn't have been more than 30 meters away when I heard someone running up behind me not even managing to turn around before being struck in the back of the head by a blunt force. This caused my knees to buckle as I fell to the floor like a newborn deer. After being dragged to a sitting position, I was now staring my assailant right in the face. Lo and behold, it was the same guy who told me to jog on home not two minutes beforehand. He took one hand to his own mouth and dislodged a dental plate, revealing gaps where three of his teeth once sat. Someone did this to me for no reason at all. Would you like me to do the same to you, he said, in an unsettlingly sustained calm tone. Only imagining what this maniac was capable of, I managed to squeeze a no from my fear-choked throat. He then unhanded me, meaning the assault was likely a tactic to scare me even more than I already was. Not that I needed said encouragement. I sprinted the rest of the way home, blood weeping from both hand and ears, tears streaming from my eyes, adrenaline and fear pushing me forward until I reached my student flat. The whole experience had sobered me right up, which was a small miracle, seeing there's less than an hour before I was drunk enough to slay a horse or break a loved one's face. I cleaned my wounds and wrapped the gaping hole in my hand with a damp tea towel. I did not have correct dressing for this at all. No. <laughs> Before attempting sleep, eventually passing out through exhaustion rather than anything else. The next day, I regaled a friend with everything that had happened that he seemed horrified for the most part, but then expressed relief that no one got killed or was arrested. He dressed my wounds properly and we played some Burnout Paradise to pass the time. I went back to Kent for a long weekend to escape the fallout from these dramatic events in Greenwich. I vowed to stay sober for as long as possible after that, seeing as booze was surely the main culprit in all this. I spoke to Peanut several weeks later via instant messenger, whereupon I subjected him to a lengthy apology and a, I understand if you don't want me to be friends with you anymore platitudes. As it turned out, he found the whole thing more amusing than annoying. That he was confused as to why everyone around him was getting so leery. He talked it down to them not understanding our random bouts of violence that had occurred throughout the years. Okay, so this event was very extreme but he saw it as being on even footing with past transgressions. He was actually asked by the police, who turned up shortly after I scarpered, if he'd like to press charges against me, but declined despite better judgement. Sure, I've got a scarred hand, but have irreparably disfigured his face, and I'm reminded of this every time we meet. However, we've both come to terms with the fact that it was but a small part 
of our random, occasionally fucked up youth and moved on. That we're still best friends to this day is a testament to either the loyalty or stupidity of our bond. Since then, I have not struck Peanut, nor has he I, but I think the last one was the final blow, effectively calling it quits of what I like to call one of the slowest fights of all time, with it spanning at least five years, with me hitting him on one year, and him delivering a return blow many months later, usually stemming from some drunken misadventure or other. So that's probably the most violent I've ever been in my life, and it was over fuck all. The whole situation is pretty grim. Peanut used to sort of wind me up anyway, but I think all he probably wanted to do was just to sort of give me a shove so I'd stumble that he didn't know I'd fall into some bins, then get laughed out by people, and then just go off into a fucking rage. Yeah, you connected so solidly with his nose. I'm not a good shot when I'm angry because I have impotent rage, so I just end up hurting myself more than the thing I'm trying to damage or hit or whatever. Actually, it was a very good shot. We laugh about it now, you know, he's fine everyone's fine it's just something that happened wasn't it it's just stupid I, I actually stopped drinking for about three months after that but then i started drinking again but i've obviously not been violent whilst drunk since i've mostly just hurt myself like falling off the toilet <laughs> anyway so this one's quite short but you were here for this third one right forearm june 2013 i decided to venture back down to kent for my 27th birthday and celebrate my imminent oldening with close friends the venue was Nightingale's Farm's Orchard, a place I'd parted and camped out many times prior, going all the way back to 2003 in fact. As was customary, we set up tents, gathered firewood, prepped the jenny and put on some tunes. We're all set. Around four hours into our evening, we required more firewood. Cue me opting to go on a recon mission, beer in hand and head swimming with drunken bravado. Though ill-advised enough to venture into pitch black woodland with no light source, the danger would surely be exacerbated by our elevated blood alcohol levels, ending in inevitable disaster. I got a tad overzealous with the rotten tree branch and ended up toppling the entire tree. Drunken foe's superhuman strength led me to believe I could hold it up solo. My feeble asparagus arms felt otherwise. <laughs> of course, this resulted in a very dry, rough bark tree rasping its way from my grip, caring not for the feeble flesh clinging so tenaciously to it. Consequently, two large, deep cuts appeared on my arm. But strangely, I was more concerned at the fact that I'd spilled my beer in the process <laughs> of this doomed tree-felling excursion. Not your blood, yes the beer. Needless to say, scars ensued. I don't think that was the same time you got trapped under a tree. That might have been another time, but it just seems like being drunk and going into those woods is just always a bad idea. Yeah. Anyway, that was my story time. That was a big one, wasn't it? Mm. Why don't we talk about other things we did in those times when we were stinky and childlike, <laughs> like <laughs> games? This is a segment that we're going to do every other time because doing challenge lists is going to get old. <laughs> we do it every week. We've done it before in previous episodes. Here we go. Those of you who are fans of our show know that we sometimes do talk about games, but we thought it'd be fun to go into a bit more depth about it. But more specifically, a couple of decades ago, because it's fun to remember things before the internet was in our lives. Isn't it wonderful to reminisce and look back to when we were younger and things were not simpler, just different. Polygons were wobblier. The periphery of your vision warped weirdly. We've split this down into somewhat digestible chunks. So we're going to start off with talking about our most favourite or played games of the era known as the early 2000s slash late 90s. I'm going to let you get on with your crisps first. So tasty. I'm not even hungry. I'm just fucking eating them. Right, we'll put them out of arm's reach. There you go. They're on the other side of the room. Well, if we're talking about late 90s, early noughties, that's sort of, for me, that's the era of the PlayStation, PlayStation 2, and some PC. Really depends if we're talking like when I first got my PlayStation, I was playing things like Final Fantasy VII and Gran Turismo, and I played a fuckload of Metal Gear Solid. Oh my God. <laughs> 
Colonel, what's a Russian gunship doing here? A less well-known one that comes to mind is something called Front Mission 3. Okay, cool. It's a deep cut. Which is called a tactical RPG. How tactical is it? It's got turn-based combat and you're in the robots and it's got lots of monologuing because it's a JRPG and ah, there's some conspiracies, all those kinds of things. Awesome. Well, you mentioned Final Fantasy. Seven's fine and everything, but for my money, Final Fantasy Eight was actually the only one that I completed all the way to the end and didn't get stuck at the last boss a la 7. So I borrowed this off of a friend in 0102, I reckon. Mm. I don't know, just like the story really drew me in. I thought that the flashback sequences where they go back to the place where everyone used to know each other, but then some bullshit about the GF's abilities to cloud your memories meant that they forgot until they decided to go into flashback mode, which is weird. And obviously there's Squall Lionheart, which is the shittest name ever. <laughs> <laughs> But he's got a gun blade, so shut up. What was the card game in Final Fantasy VIII called? Triple Triad. I like Triple Triad. It was a fairly simple game. I like the card game. Final Fantasy VII, I played loads and basically killed everything apart from, I think it was Emerald Weapon. Final oh, Fantasy VIII, I played through a couple of times. It was cool, yeah, whatever. Final Fantasy IX, is like, I can't be fucking bothered with this. <laughs> it's just like, eh. See, nine is Adam's favourite. It's interesting to find that people have their favourites and they're not all the same one. Mm. So it's like, seven's probably your preferred one. Eight's my preferred one. And nine's you know other people's which is fine oh yeah the fmv running behind you doing stuff in real time it was a little bit wonky because it was new technology but i thought it was mind-blowing at the time it was like this beautiful pre-rendered sort of video happening while you're doing battle and stuff and that's why it was on like four or five cds the playstation didn't have a lot of memory no you could hear it like really struggling as it was trying to run off the cd crazy also we're talking about deep cuts as well there was a lovely little mad game called top gear overdrive on the n64 Oh yeah. It was just dumb arcadey fun. It had a decent, if a little compressed, soundtrack. The band's got some really edge lordy name like Slab <laughs> Motherfucker or something. I don't know. They got some silly name, but it's yeah. all done by the same band. Yeah! And uh, it's got silly unlockables like you can drive a taco car, the Nintendo logo on wheels, and a Vienna sausage. Vienna. Very good. Now, I played this with my brother a lot, and it was probably one of the few games that we didn't fall out and start actually fighting each other in real <laughs> life over, because <laughs> it was that fun and it wasn't frustrating. Before we move on to the PC stuff, I was going to mention Tony Hawk's Pro Skater 2. I, for some reason, didn't have this. I don't know why I didn't have it, but I played it since, and it doesn't really count because i played it really since the past five years. Yeah, that is an absolute amazing game. Yes. Only improved by... Pro Skater 3 in my mind, but that wasn't PS1, that was PS2. Like Metal Gear Solid, I only played the next game on the PlayStation 2 like for about, not even like 20 minutes. It's like, eh. Mm. So I only ever really played through Metal Gear Solid. The same with Tony Hawk, so I only really ever played Pro Skater 2 and none of the other versions. That's fine. You don't have to like love every single installment in the franchise. It is just like you have your one game. If we want to go further back in time. It'd be weird things like music or music 2000. How that even work? You want a sample? That means all your memory's gone tough luck speaking of further back i've got games from the mid 90s perhaps that i played at the turn of the century and one of them is dark forces 2 or jedi knight which uh. i still have on gog and i haven't played in two years because got stuck but at one point when i was a teenager i did actually play it properly and i was amazed because it was the first game i played that had a morality system where you mm. know light side dark side and powers and buffs and whatever renegade forever i think my brother and i played it through twice just to get both endings i was amazed that i managed to cut a stormtrooper's arm off with a lightsaber which i didn't even think was possible because it was like a 12 rated game so yeah. it didn't have like violence violence it 
but I remember very specifically it being cut off and sort of like it wasn't blood it was like just grey sort of pixels coming out that were supposed to represent blood but they couldn't show blood I guess but it only ever happened once and I have never managed to replicate it and I definitely <laughs> didn't imagine it it definitely happened I remember that one time it was real so when, you know, when I finally hopped on the old PC train the machine came with like a bundle of a couple of games and I remember playing a game called Crimson Skies which was nice Midtown Madness 2 which is also nice. quite fun but then I started getting some of the classics of the late 90s like Half-Life and Unreal Tournament 99 or Quake 3 uh, Arena. Playing like the Twitch mechanic first person shooter kind of games. <laughs> Gone back to the Unreal Tournament fairly recently. I was like, God, how quick is this fucking game? Uh, I played an awful lot of Gran Turismo 3 on the PC because you can mod it as well. And like every single Command and Conquer game. Every single one. For me, it was Red Alert 2, I think, was the main one that I played because my mate Patch had it and mm. we were obsessed. And then later on, Peanut owned it and then he let me borrow it. And that was in 2004. I've still got it. It's got Yuri's Revenge with it as well. I've got like a DVD collection of the game, but it went up to Generals. But I also nice. bought the remastered version of Command & Conquer and Red Alert recently and completed all of it. Role-playing games like Baldur's Gate, played a lot of that as well. Good fun. See, I was never that into RPGs when I was younger because I think I was just too stupid to sort of really get on board <laughs> with all the resource management mechanics and all that sort of stuff. It was just, I just want to fucking blow things up. But yeah. one of the ones that I did get into, which is more of a puzzler, was a little known game called Realms of the Haunting. This is a first-person horror puzzle adventure shooter game thing. Yes. And way back when, it was fucking nails hard for us who didn't have the ability to figure out puzzles. And in all fairness, they get increasingly obtuse the more the <laughs> game goes on. Getting closer and closer to moon logic the further you get yeah, through the game. Like, they just got bored at some point and just made the rest of the levels mazes that you had to figure out puzzles in. It was fucking infuriating. Good. But like these different realities or levels of hell or something. But you just had to get all these bits and then essentially you had to make a bong and then just offer that to the goddess statue and then it opened a door and then some MacGuffin happened. The opening mansion level, which lasts a couple of hours if you know what you're doing. If you're me, it was like most of my playthrough <laughs> before I rage quit because it's like dungeons. I thought it was fantastic, atmospheric. It made me jump a few times i really enjoyed the lore and those fmv cutscenes, man are certainly something but <laughs> for an entirely different reason like the acting in it is just it was only a matter of time before we met again you me it starts off okay and then it just turns into complete nonsense it's like they got halfway through the game and run out of patience or money or time whatever and then it's just yeah. like ah oh, let's fucking do this just <laughs> phone the rest of it in that was a real shame but i recently did complete it with a guide and i was just like these puzzles i would not have been able to work out by myself because they are dumb as shit and they don't make any logical sense at yeah, all that's the good old days of puzzle games where like you would have no idea because none of it makes any fucking sense like click on this mm -hmm. pixel here and then give this person a thing on a tuesday and then the sky will fall down and then you'll win dragon's breath on the mirror oh yes of course we've figured yeah, that course, out yeah. <laughs> i'm talking about like suspect voice acting or acting in general makes me remember the original resident evil oh my god you are <laughs> almost a jill sandwich or <gasps> four seconds later are you okay? <laughs> well, no, I've died in the fucking pregnant pause that you just gave to say. Jill, the master of unlocking, which is a somewhat literal translation of the Japanese and so makes very little sense. Oh, I love it. It was just like on the PlayStation where it had to load the dialogue. It's like, 
Are you okay? Like, oh God, you really had to think about that. Well, things like the stairs and the doors opening added a certain amount of atmosphere, but there were also loading screens. I know the fact that they did, I think it's a Resident Evil 2, they only ever did it once where they did a fake out where it was like you went to the door thing, but then a zombie came through and then yeah. you it put you back into the action. But they only ever did that once. They did not rinse it. And that's what I love about it. It's just like one and done. We're not going to ever do yeah. that ever again because that would cheapen it. I've wrote preferred platforms, but we've kind of covered that in the first one, really. Like in order of preference, PS2 wins for the number of hours I spent playing it because I only bought it originally to play San Andreas and I put so many hours into that game. Yeah. And then I got loads of other games off the back of it. Still got it down here somewhere. The game and the console. Not the original controller, but you'll find out what happened to that in a bit. N64 does come a close second because I had shitloads of games for that before I gave them all away. The GoldenEye 4 player is the... Still gold. Yeah. Gold. None of our PCs are ever that powerful. It even struggled with Jedi Knight where it would just play like two frames a second sometimes if there's more than three things moving on the screen. I'd also load up some games on the school PCs like Raptor, <laughs> Call of the Shadows, GTA 1, Doom. <laughs> also, I found a website that hadn't been detected by whoever's in charge of IT and it had loads of ROMs you could download and some really shit things like these isometric rally game that you played in the snow and like puzzle games that just probably broke one of the PCs by downloading about 20 on the website which is no longer active was called like den of the underdogs.org or something and mm. it just had all of these roms on there just free for you to download that's fucking awesome and obviously ps1 destruction derby 2 red alert oh, tekken yeah. 2 being like the three main games that are on rotation around my friend patch's house like woof. destruction derby noise mm. the first one was weird because you could crash but the wheels would never lift off the floor no matter it's like they didn't invent that physics yet so you could smash your car a bit so it never flip yeah it wasn't until i played Wreckfest a couple of mm. years back i was like finally a game that's kind of like destruction derby oh, i remember the physics going really weird on that once where i think ross was playing it and he got clipped in a certain way that his car just spanned like this for ages. It was just spinning and spinning and spinning and spinning. And I was like, is it going to stop? Other cars were like clipping with it, but it wouldn't slow it down. I was like, I think you broke it. That's torn it. So what about challenging games or frustrating moments in games that have made you just want to quit, break something or both? The game that comes to mind that just pissed me off was uh, Test Drive 5 because it had the cheapest AI on the planet. Was it super rubber bandy? Rubber bandy plus they could literally do things you're not capable of doing. They tap you and you fly off into the distance and explode and then your entire family line is killed but <laughs> you try and nudge them slightly and they just don't move if you try and nudge them you're the one that ends yeah. up worse off yeah you're, <laughs> the, you're, you're the one in the ditch of all your organs removed so it's just like that's a game that gets frisbeed out of the window and then into a car and it clips the car and then it knocks the car into <laughs> it's like, oh no <laughs> and then the car flies through the window and kills me this game it just it's endlessly punishing it just takes and it takes and it just takes some more racing games for me are definitely the most frustrating chief to them all it's unfortunate chief to them all actually because i i loved it so much that it hurt so much more when it failed me was diddy kong racing the final boss whiz pig my fucking god i don't know if it's because well it's because i was shit but also <laughs> like you had to take every shortcut you had to be pixel perfect get every boost and just couldn't fucking beat him my brother tried and he was a lot better than me and he still didn't beat him and it was just like for fuck's sake we tried for hours and hours and then we we're like okay the only other thing we've got left to do is do the time trials. No, they're fucking impossible as well. <laughs> uh, you have to beat the clock on wheels called TT. And yeah. it's just like, fuck off. Do you know what? I swear that gave me gaming PTSD for a while for how horrible it ended up being. It's just like, I can't really play racing games at any length anymore because of that and Burnout Revenge. The only game that's ever caused me to throw my controller at the television, breaking the controller. 
Whoops. Which is what happened to the original controller for my PS2. I would not accept any less than gold. So first place. Mm. One of the very last races, you're racing Formula One style cars. Mm-hmm. And the AI in it is fucking ramped up to unfair. They will nudge you and you just go crashing off into the distance. But again, you try to do it to them and you end up worse off and stuff. They are just so good at keeping to the racing line and everything. And I was just like, I know I'd almost, I got so close. This is what caused me to fucking throw my controller. Four races in the championship. If you get silver in one, you have to go all the way back to the start to it again. So I was near the end of the last race and I was so close and then they just overtook me and I was just like, fuck this! And just <laughs> ran the controller. Jesus. I was like, Ugh! Well, you talk about like mm. the AI driving games. Replaying Gran Turismo 4 recently reminded me of how bullshit the AI is in that because mm. it just barges you out of the way. And that's kind of frustrating. Yeah. It was a simpler time and less computation available to make the AI mm. any more than just let's follow a line. The freedom with the game engines that are a bit more fluid now, I suppose. There are more than one ways to do things and it's actually easier to cheese things these days, I find, as well. Like in the GTA games, find a little corner where no enemies can actually hit you and just keep poking out and just pop doing pot shots. Like <laughs> yeah. You couldn't do that on a side-scroller. you got nowhere to hide. We're going back further in time where you had to know like of secret game mechanics to be able to actually complete the game. Well, that's kind to come back in a way isn't it like indie games are like remember those nails hard almost frustrating don't mention fucking Battletoads in my presence ever again, <laughs> Do you want to play the Battletoad chase sequence on those hovercraft or whatever they are for the entire game? You do. This game's like the Battletoads of Dark Souls. <laughs> but yeah, those older games were about learning the patterns of the bosses and then knowing what was the best way of dealing with those patterns, how to avoid their attacks and so on and get and attack them. I've just got a reminder. I don't even know. I'm, we must have been emailing at some point in my life. Boring Alice's birthday is tomorrow. My Outlook calendar just reminded me of that. But that means we must have communicated at some point. I don't remember ever talking to her, but this is really creepy. What the fuck? Now you know. Now you know too much. Anyway, so that was regrettable, what I just did there. Do you have like a biggest regret or a missed opportunity in gaming? Something you may have missed the mark on or it's been too late now and you can't really go back to do something or accidentally deleted a save or something like that. <laughs> we've always been in regrettable situations where we've had a save that's been corrupted or we've deleted it or something like that uh, apart from giving all my n64 games away which is obviously my biggest regret in my entire life yeah giving away my snares and all my games because i had, I had yeah. loads of really good games <sighs> yeah that's fucking sucked didn't it a big regret was ruining yet again another racing game but it was my fault <laughs> formula 164 i played it for hours and hours and hours in the same day and it gave me a fucking migraine. Every time I closed my eyes, I could see it. The buzzing of F1 engines rang in my ears for hours afterwards. I never went back to it after that, which is a shame because it was one of the few serious racing games I actually enjoyed. I suppose with missed opportunities, I had to think quite a lot on this and it came to me in a dream. I think it was called uh, Demolition Racer. It was way, way more arcadey, like dumb as shit. <laughs> Did it have weapons in it as well? No, you could do things like death from above and it would blow the car up underneath <laughs> you and stuff like that. But a demo of it came with a PS1 magazine that my parents got. We managed to beat the high score in it my cousin and i mm. and then uh, it said in the magazine if you beat more than five thousand, submit you a, a photo of it and you could get a cash prize i was like oh yeah let's do it the magazine was from six months ago and the competition <sighs> had ended i was Damn. like that was the first time i've ever beat a high score in anything and i couldn't capitalize on it shit that reminds me that whatever playstation magazine i read at the time the original gran turismo i think it was trial mountain or whatever the track was called i had managed to actually beat one of the printed 
fastest times. Oh, wow. I semi-regret, but there was reasons why I couldn't do it. I think you could do the saves of the replays on your on a memory card, or you record it on a video. I had no realistic way of doing that. But send that in, I could have been like, it could have been my name in this magazine with this time. It was like, it was a good couple of tenths quicker than the fastest time they had on that track. And I was like, I actually beat it. But I did play that game a lot. My parents got me Quake 2 on PC after badgering them for ages about it, only to find out it was for the Mac. What? How did they find the <laughs> Mac version of Quake over the PC version? I don't know. They did get a refund, but never replaced it with the PC version. Ooh. So I've never played past the first level in the demo version of Quake 2 ever. The first PC Quake I played was Quake 3. Arena. That's not quite as fast as Unreal, but it's pretty quick. It's the king of no-scoping with the railgun. We spoke about a lot of games that are really good, but what about games that have just been absolute dog shit? Or you've been really excited to play and then take it home and you open the package, you put the CD in or whatever, and you boot it up and it's just disappointing. When you're younger and you have less choice, you kind of play what you have, even if it is terrible. We weren't like swimming in games, but I could discern a good game from a bad game, but that doesn't mean that I didn't play them because like you said, <laughs> you only have that. So you're like, well, fuck it. There's a game called Fighting Fury on PS2 and that has to be objectively the worst of its genre. Like <laughs> it has terrible controls, wanky hitboxes, awful awful graphics the character <laughs> models look like they're made out of play-doh or something created in the dark possibly <laughs> really unresponsive shit sound it was just basically the full shit calzone i had about five minutes of amusement value of it before it got old uh, the developers certainly rushed this one out of the oven before the ingredients really had time to congeal with each other <laughs> the upshot is i only spent like a quid on it the, like the front cover of it looks shitty anyway i'm gonna try and find the front cover and put it in the twitter feed oh my god it looks so fucking rubbish oh what <laughs> yeah image in the link dump on twitter if you're wondering what we're fucking laughing at i've got another one road rash 64 was really really disappointing it wasn't the worst game i've ever played but you know road rash amazing game on the sega like yeah. it was a completely different developers i think it was somehow got the ip then that was it it was kind of strange because all the races were sort of set on tracks but they were barricaded off from a much larger world yeah but you could break through these barriers you could explore but because everything had been loaded in on that track it would just be like a desolate green <laughs> brown gray wasteland such exploration great the music probably was quite good but it was so compressed you couldn't hear it the deep joy of the low quality textures on the n64 yeah you do make me remember uh there was the strike games where you you, you flew around as a helicopter to sort of semi top down there was one i loved i think it was maybe jungle strike or urban strike and i loved i played loads of that and then i played one of any of the other games i thought i don't like these anywhere near as much they were too hard or just not as good I expect with better hardware especially in like road rash 64's world i suppose in the original sega one if you fell off your bike you could run towards your bike and then pick it back up but you could also run the other way and actually just run around the track <laughs> you couldn't even yes. do that in this one it would just reset you back on the bike saying that i still sunk dozens and dozens of hours into it so whatever you know like, more for me i guess it was a simpler time in summary, what I've learned is I'm a, some kind of filthy casual that plays like <laughs> games every now and then, and you're actually way better at doing the gaming than I am. But you know, am it's I? been a fun. I think so. You're like you play way more games than I do, or you definitely play more of the games that you play than I do. Like, what's your most played game, and why is it Civ Four? <laughs> <laughs> Mountain Blade 2 Battle which I've probably put like 140 hours into. The most amount of hours I've ever put into a game was Fallout 4. That yeah. was 160 hours and that was over a six month period. 
See, that's the difference. Like, you're able to commit. I'll just play it every now and then. It'll be fine. It's more so me just going, you know what? I'm just going to spend an entire weekend playing a game. So I've got 135 hours in Bannerlord at the moment. Not even a completed game. <laughs> and I'm not even anywhere near completing the campaign. Harry, this, you filthy casual. <laughs> and it wasn't Civ 4. It was Civ 5. And it's 307 yeah. hours. Fucking madman. <laughs> if we could talk about hours and hobbies, I've easily put like 600 hours into just writing. There you go. There's my time sink. Yeah. Well, speaking of stupid time sinks, I think it's time <laughs> to sink this episode <laughs> right into the fucking sea, along with all those cocaine bananas and. Right next to SS Richard Montgomery. Just don't blow it up. You maniacs! If it blew up, it would cause an earthquake. Please don't do that. <laughs> so that is it. Thank you for listening to our MC Escher stairwell of nonsense, which is always appreciated. If you want to tumble further down and down. Or and up, up and, uh, and, and around. And then just keep going. Always an Adventure podcast can be found pretty much anywhere you can listen to podcasts forever. Probably long after we die, they're just going to be tumbling around the internet. If you want to engage with us, then realise we have no idea what we're doing and failing. Go to Twitter and see this lovely thread of what the fuck we're even doing. One of the last ones is just a bike laying on its side in a terribly rendered... <laughs> even though the bike is not longer moving, it's saying it's going 66 miles an hour. It's on its side. <laughs> oh boy, it's a sliding. Top quality, best game ever. With top quality, best games ever, they end. And so is this now. So we'll see you next time for some more high fidelity. And as always, take care, take care, take care. Some sort of horrendous sample-based monstrosity with the generic thunder. Some sort of horrendous sample-based monstrosity with the generic thunder. That's way too loud. <laughs>